God, we are grateful for this day. We're grateful as we move from the spring season into the summer season, as summer activities begin to happen, vacations, different things. We just pray that, um, that this would be an anchor point for us, that our time together on Sunday mornings as we come together as grace, uh, as we are strengthened for the mission, the task, as part of the Texas Annual Conference, uh, as ambassadors for Jesus Christ in Palestine and beyond. Just fill us with the gifts and graces that we need to accomplish that. And that begins right here this morning as we sing songs, as we open the scriptures, as we take up offerings, as we pray and uh, receive blessings, that your strength, your power, your Holy Spirit is available to us right here and right now. And so we thank you for that. Forgive us for anything that we have uh, done or not done this week that might hinder that from happening. We also call out to you, Lord, those names of people that are heavy on our hearts. Uh, I'm thinking specifically right now of all of those poor folks in India uh, that were part of that terrible train derailment. Hundreds and hundreds of people dead and more than that injured. And so I lift up those families to you, uh, the survivors, the ones they're still searching for. Uh, just strengthen them as they clean through all of the, the mess that is happening there. Lord, we call out to you now names and situations. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. The Holcomb sisters. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 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 Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. The Marks family. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Grace Walk 101. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, we also ask for uh, traveling mercies for grace folks that are out and about uh, for summertime activities right now. Bring them back into our doors safely. We praise you. We honor you. This worship hour, we pray that you would be among us and that we would feel your presence and be strengthened by it. We ask this all in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. As we turn to the scriptures this morning, let's pray. God, we ask that you open our hearts and minds this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit. 
And as these scriptures are read, and as a word is proclaimed, that we might receive with joy that which you say to us today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text this morning comes from the very end of 2 Corinthians, the letter to the Corinthian church. We are reading chapter 13, 11 through 13, and this from the voice translation of the Bible. Listen now for a word from the Lord. Finally, brothers and sisters, keep rejoicing and repair whatever is broken. Encourage each each other, think as one, and live at peace. And God, the author of love and peace, will remain with you. Greet each other with a holy kiss as brothers and sisters. All the saints here with me send you their greeting. May the grace of the Lord Jesus, the anointed, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit remain with you all. Amen. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, how many people are familiar with the, the United Methodist system here? It's, it, it can get a little convoluted, let me tell you. Uh, here's what you need to know. The annual conference, annual, meets once a year annually, and, and, and there are many annual conference areas. Our conference area is called the Texas Annual Conference. If you go over just a little ways, you'll get into the Rio, Rio Conference, uh, the Central Texas Conference, the North Texas. I think we have five conference areas in Texas. We are the largest, from Texarkana down to Galveston. Uh, and we once had about 700 churches. Now we have about 300 after the disaffiliation. So that's the redistricting is what uh, Dan was talking about. But then every four years, delegates from all the annual conferences around the globe meet together for what's called General Conference. And it is at General Conference that um, really rules and guidelines for the United Methodist Church as a whole, that's when that happens every four years. So the next one of those is 2024. Do you know where it is, Dan? Do you know where it's being held? Arkansas? I don't know either. See, I'm not a very good Methodist. So, we did elect two delegates. Yep, yeah. So each annual conference sends delegates to the general conference, and we elected two lay delegates. So in the United Methodist Church, for every clergy person, there is a lay person so that there's one for one. So in this church, you have one uh, ordained clergy member, and so uh, OI serves as the church's lay equivalent for the clergy that goes. She is the lay person that goes. But then also within our conference, we have retired uh, clergy, and they also have a voice at the annual conference. And so the district is responsible for finding lay folks to represent each one of those retired. And so Dan serves as a district delegate representing one of the uh, retired clergy folks in the conference, like Roy James. Roy James, who is our interim, he is a retired clergy, uh, and so we, th- they have to make sure that 
there's somebody, a lay person, that equals out Roy's clergy vote so that we have an equal number of clergy and lay. Is that clear as mud? Yes. Okay. Let's get into the sermon. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So today is uh, the first Sunday after Pentecost. Last week was Pentecost, Holy Spirit-driven, red table. We ushered in the Holy Spirit. The church is born, and now we enter into the season. So now what? What does the church do uh, moving forward now that the Holy Spirit has empowered us? But the first Sunday in, in this green growth period is Trinity Sunday. Trinity Sunday. This is the Sunday that we celebrate Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which is a core doctrine of Christianity. And so what I uh, did was I looked at one of the letters of Paul, and uh, the very end of this letter is what I thought I would preach on. Um, You know, when when we uh, send legend off to spend the night uh, at a friend's house or whatever, when he goes to see Ben, when he goes hang out with Ben, or, or if he's, you know, going to a cousin's house for a sleep or whatever, we always have a checklist, right? Legend, did you pack clothes? You're not going to get there and be without clothes. Did you pack your toothbrush and toothpaste? Did you pack your swimsuit if you need that? Do you know where your shoes are, right? All these all these checklists that you have. And then when it's time to drop him off, that's when you get the flurry of, uh, uh, of last-minute reminders, right? Be good. Say yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. Uh, you don't get into fights with your friends. You eat whatever food is served to you at the table. Do whatever you are told. And if I find out that you are bad when I pick you up, you're going to get it, Right? You want to just like leave him with these last minute, uh, you know, look, buddy, we're turning you over to somebody else and make sure that you do me right here. This is exactly what Paul's doing at the end of this letter to the Corinthians. He's written two letters. Uh, We know that there's a third letter that he talks about it in this letter. There's a a third letter that came in between these two, but it's lost us. We don't have it. So this is really the third letter that he's written to the Corinthian church. But he ends it, uh, and at the end of the letter, he's kind of wrapping up his final thoughts, and he crams a bunch of those last-minute reminders into them. He says things like, keep rejoicing, uh, repair any broken relationships that you have among you, make sure you encourage one another, be unified in all that you think and do, be at peace with one another, make sure you greet each other with true affection, I can imagine him wrapping up this letter and sending it off and then just kind of wringing his hands, wondering, are they going to listen to me? Will they behave? Have I instilled in them uh, right teaching so that they know the way to behave? Now, he's planning on making a trip to Corinth, and he says all along, if I get there and find out you all are misbehaving, you're going to get it. What was that? That was like a, did you hear that? It was perfect timing. But then Paul has this flash of inspiration, I think anyway. Flash of inspiration. He says something to 
the church at Corinth that he doesn't say in any other letter. He says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Does that sound familiar? Why does that sound familiar? I say it in the benediction every Sunday, right? This is where I get it from. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 13. Now, why is he saying this? I think this is his equivalent of saying, not don't do anything I wouldn't do, but don't do anything God wouldn't do. I think that's what he's saying. Because we believe in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's uh, this idea that somehow, someway, and the math doesn't work, uh, but God is three distinct persons in one God. Okay? The math doesn't work. Don't ask me to explain it. I don't know how that works. But the God is three distinct persons. Each person of the Godhead is unique, each with their own role. Sometimes we say uh, creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Um, talking about God the Creator and Jesus Christ, the one who redeems the world, and the Holy Spirit who sustains us with power. Uh, each member of the Godhead has their own mind and agency, the ability to make choices and do things, and yet the God that contains the three... I shouldn't say that. That's bad theology. It doesn't contain. They're not parts. Uh, three members of the Godhead, each distinct, but they are unified in purpose and in mission and in will, and that singular purpose is to love creation and to save all of it. That is the purpose of God that we see in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And by invoking this triune name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Paul brings to mind the beautiful image of God who eternally exists in relationship with God's self. You ever thought about that? Before anything existed, God was already in relationship. There's not three gods. There's only one God, but God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and together they were in perfect relationship with one another. They had all that they needed. They didn't need to create humans to mess things up. They didn't need to, right, they didn't need any, God doesn't need any of that. God was in perfect harmony with God's self. And then God says, let's make humans in our image and creates us to be in relationship with each other the way that God is. You know the troubles that we're going through in the UMC right now. It's, it's, you guys know all about it. You know that our annual conference particularly was hit hard, that half of our churches left and either joined the Global Methodist Church or became independent Methodist churches. It seems um, that as Methodists, we have some really big disagreements, particularly over human sexuality. We have some big disagreements there. You know, and John Wesley, people keep bringing up John Wesley, who's the, the, the founder of Methodism, this famous quote that he had. John said, Though we cannot think alike, may we not love alike? May we not be of one heart, though we are not of one opinion? Without all doubt, we may. And Paul says, You betcha we may. In fact, Paul says, We must. 
We must love alike and be of one heart because we are made in the image of a God who is one heart and one mind, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in perfect harmony. Paul says we are made in the image of this God. It is our duty. It is our calling. It is within our very nature to work toward unity, to be unified. And I suspect if John Wesley uh, knew what was going on, he'd be rolling in his grave right now because he would say, y'all are being weak. You're being weak. When the going gets tough, you pack up your toys and you go home rather than staying at the table and figuring it out and working it out. No, we're not going to agree on everything, but that doesn't give you a license to walk away. That's what John Wesley would say. You know, and John Wesley put his money where his mouth was. He had this good friend named George Whitfield. Now, he and George had some sharp theological differences, particularly over the sovereignty of God versus the uh, free will of humanity, right? George said, God is in control of all things. You have no say whether you're saved or not. That's God's realm. And John Wesley said, no, 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 no. God gives us minds and hearts, and we can choose God or choose against God. They disagreed on that very sharply. And they had uh, debates in public, famous debates, where they would get up and kind of shoot scriptures at each other. They would have sermons. John would preach sermons where he'd go, you know that old George Whitfield? They would jab each other in their sermons. And yet, and yet, John Wesley and George Whitfield remained friends true friends, authentic friends, all the way up until the very end. In fact, John Wesley was asked to come and preach at George Whitfield's funeral when he passed away. John Wesley believed in working hard, in doing the hard work to maintain unity even despite disagreements and arguments and divisions. Stay unified. It is the role of the church because we're made in the image of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Folks, this is not easy stuff. We're not talking about easy stuff here. And we live in a society that makes it easier. If I don't like you, I'll just mute you on Facebook, right? If I don't like the things you're saying, I'll just unfriend you. If I don't like what I'm hearing at this church, I'll just leave this church and go to that church. There's another one down the road. It's like Baskin Robbins, 31 flavors. They're all over the place. Just pick which one you like the most. Staying at the table, loving one another, even when we can't agree, that is hard work. That is tough stuff. And yet, this is exactly what Christ has called us to model for the world, right? And yet, sometimes the church just honestly doesn't look very different than the world. We fight and argue and split up just like everybody else. And so, yes, we had our annual conference this week, our brand new bishop. Everybody was excited to kind of hear from the bishop and see what her plan was to kind of uh, unify our annual conference again after the hard season of uh, 
divorce, really, that we've been going through. Uh, I've got some very, very good friends that are no longer part of the United Methodist Church. Tough season. And we did it. We had to read the list of all the pastors who had left the United Methodist Church, and we had to uh, officially vote uh, to remove them from our annual conference. And that was tough, man. It was like three or four pages long. People that I went to seminary with, people I was ordained with, it was tough. And after we took that vote, we, we paused to pray for them, right? We prayed for them. We prayed for their ministries. We prayed that God would bless them. Because even if we can't remain united under the same denomination, we can remain united in love with them as much as possible. And Dan told you it's true. We normally have these resolutions because part of annual conference, you got the business of the annual conference. We've got to approve budgets and we've got trustees stuff we've got to approve and, and uh, you know, retirement plans and health benefits plans and, and uh, the annual conference budgets and all that stuff. We've got to, it's all the, the not fun work. But then every year people have resolutions that they present because what they're trying to do is they're trying to sway the annual conference uh, this way or this way, depending on however they feel about these issues. Uh, and, and so they, they, they get these in, and then we debate them forever and ever and ever. It's, it's, it's horrible. It's terrible. This year, one resolution. One resolution was brought to the table. I want to read this resolution. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing, because the other thing is Methodists, when they write resolutions, they're really, really long. But this one uh, was called That We May Be One, which was uh, Jesus prayed for us in the Gospel of John that, that God would not remove us from the world, but would keep us in the world and protect us from the evil one, and that we would be one, even as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one, right? Okay, this was Jesus' prayer for us. So this, this resolution is called that we may be one. Whereas the Texas Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church is recovering from a season of conflict, division, power politics, and competition, and though this kind of culture might have benefited a few, it has not served us well as a whole and has left us divided, fractured, and dismayed rather than united, focused, and hopeful. Therefore, be it resolved that the Texas Annual Conference moves forward in a spirit of hope and embraces a season of reformation for making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. That in this season of reformation, we commit to the revitalization of the United Methodist Church through planting new ministries and through structural reform and to the revitalization of our relationships with one another as a connectional people be it further resolved that the Texas Annual Conference works for a culture marked by compassion, courage, and companionship. Boil that down into a, to a summary. This is what I heard in that resolution. We're tired of fighting. Can we just get along and get back to the mission of the church? It was a unanimous passing of this resolution. I don't think I saw one hand against it. Did you guys? No. Everybody was for it. And for the first time since I've attended conference, 
After we took this vote, the room was silent. People were grateful. People were hopeful. The bishop began to cry. The assistant to the bishop began to cry. There was a feeling of um, Holy Spirit in the air. There was a sense that perhaps... Now that this uh, ugliness is kind of over and behind us, as painful as it was, perhaps we can move forward without all the fighting and get back to the things that God has called us to do. And that was the spirit of the rest of the conference. It was just this feeling of hopefulness, of laying down weapons. I don't want to fight anymore. Embracing yeah, we don't always disagree on stuff, but we got a job to do here. And that was the spirit that I felt the rest of the time. You know, people say that uh, often if you're going to sit in on a speech or a sermon, what you'll remember is the very beginning of it and the very end of it, right? And so Paul here is writing this letter. And I'm sure he was thinking this. They're going to remember the beginning, and they're going to remember the end. The middle, they'll probably just skip over. And so he's got this little bit of parchment left. I'm sure parchment was hard to come by. little bit of parchment, and he's got this space left to say the most important thing that he can think of. And with this precious little space of parchment, he's got to leave one final impression that will matter, that will make a difference. And so in that, he says, church, working things out and staying together is not optional. It's not optional. It's required. Not because it's easy, and not because it's how everyone else does it, it's required because Christ has come to tear down division, to draw to Himself a new people, God's new covenant people, made up of all nations and all cultures and all languages. The church in our world today, Americans, Chinese, Russian, Africans, blue-collar, white-collar, male, female, Republicans, Democrats, Marxists, socialists, communists, capitalists, gay, straight, young, old, black, white. This is what the church looks like today. This is the church. And we can look at any one of those things and say, because you are not whatever I am, I'm going to separate myself from you, and I'll go to a place that looks like me and thinks like me and talks like me and is like me where I'm comfortable. And Paul says, that's not an option. That is no longer an option for you because Christ has torn down these divisions. It's required because you have been made in the image of the Holy Trinity, three distinct persons yet unified in heart and in mind and in love. 
you bear the image of this one. And you are called to a higher standard than the world. That's tough stuff. But this is our calling. And so when I get back from vacation, I've already started thinking through what I want to say. But we're going to talk about Grace Church. This congregation right here. And how we as a people filling these seats today from all walks of life and all types of thinking can live into that higher standard and cannot only just, just maintain and tolerate one another, but actually love each other. And because of our love for one another, the world outside, which also hates fighting and division, and yet it's the only thing they know, can begin to look at us and say, what's different there? How do they sit down and have a coffee, cup of coffee with one another when they disagree? How do they come into this place week in and week out and embrace each other and share communion together? What do they know that I don't know? This is the only way that we can grow as a church, that Grace Church can make an impact in Palestine and beyond. Because Jesus said this, they'll know you're my disciples by what? your love for one another. It's not for your fancy teaching. It's not for your excellent worship band. It's not for your smoke and mirrors. It's not because you're in a cool building with a bar in the back. Right? I mean, that's cool stuff. That's cool stuff. But Jesus said, that's not what's going to make a difference. They'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another. And so that's what we're going to talk about when I get back. But for now, I leave you with this. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Uh, will you grab the hand of the person next to you? Now, this is not just something we do. We're symbolizing something here. Do you see? We're making a chain through this whole place. We're all connected in all of our differences. We're all connected and this is how we want to be for the world. Before I give you your blessing, uh, Dewey wants me to tell you there is produce out in the breezeway. Please take it because the onions are, are odoriferous. Okay? You need onions in your home. With that, will you receive this blessing? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know you're perfectly loved. You're completely forgiven, and you're uniquely empowered. Now you're called to go out into the world and model Christ for the world. As you do that, you're going to slip up. You're going to make some mistakes this week. And you're going to go, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. But I need you to know, even in those mistakes, there's nothing you can do that would make God love you any less. Because God's love for us is not based on our performance. It's rooted in His nature. And it is by grace that he looks at us and says, Beloved, you are nothing but the best of the best of the best. And if you can just believe a pinch of that, it would change everything beginning today. So in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please take that good word. Go out into the mission field 
and we'll see you next time you come into these doors. Amen.